You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Good Friday, Great Sunday, part three of three. Enjoy. And we begin a three-part series, which we're going to finish today. And it's entitled Good Friday, Great Sunday. Okay, Good Friday, Great Sunday. And we learned that Christianity is not about heaven and hell. It's about God's amazing love for you. So important to know that. We learned that the cross was not the goal of Jesus. It was the means to the goal. The goal of Jesus was the resurrection. Jesus didn't come to die. He came to defeat death, to end our separation from God, to wipe out the distance between you and God, to bring us into union with God, that we can enter into a living, real-life, everyday, moment-by-moment relationship with God, that we can walk with God through our days. Isn't that awesome? That who God is would be a very real, a very present reality in our everyday lives. And that's what Christianity is. It's about a real-life relationship with God. It's not about a religion. And that's what Highway Church is all about, real-life relationship with the real Jesus. We want the real Jesus. We're not interested in man's idea of Jesus. We want the real thing, all right? So our relationship with God is huge. It's really the most important relationship we have or don't have. And our relationship with God comes to life when God becomes your plan A and there is no plan B. That's when you really get to know him. In other words, when you're fully depending on him. When God becomes your plan A and plan B gets tossed out the window. See, God is love. It tells us that in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. And love doesn't want to be pushed off to the side and, and brought out and dusted off for special occasions. Love wants to be intimately involved in everything that we do. God wants to be, love wants to be the fabric of our lives. God wants his promises, his word to be the stuff that we're made of. And far too often what I've seen over the years in walking with the Lord, a number of Christians who love God, and they read their Bible, but they're looking to man for answers with a little prayer to God on the side. (laughs) And and man, they'll they'll talk to everyone they can talk to. They'll spend all kinds of money to try and get to meet so-and-so and and get a meeting with so-and-so and do this and do that. And, And after they've exhausted... These other options, maybe they'll begin to pray to or talk to God more or, or realize they need God's direction and guidance in our lives. And hey, we can all relate to, relate to that. We all have weaknesses, right? We all have things in our lives. There are things that are challenging for me that may not be challenging for you because we're all unique in, in one sense. We can all relate to each other, but there are weaknesses I have you don't have. And there may be weaknesses you have that I don't have. So we can all relate to that, but... Man didn't create you. So to look to man for answers, it's going to fall short. Man didn't create you, and man is faulty. 
So knowing that we're all faulty in some, in some respect, we've all fallen short of God's glory in some respect, and knowing that man didn't create us, we want to look directly to God for the guidance and the issues and the answers we need in our lives. Now, if you look to, us, to man for a solution, keep in mind that they're not you, right? So they may have different strengths than you have. And different weaknesses than you have. So what worked for them, the little plan they created and they're selling on Amazon, and they maybe had some success, how do you know that's going to work for you? I, can, I know this, that so-and-so's plan for you can't even come close to what faith in God's promises will do for you. Because so-and-so didn't create you. You're not so-and-so, you're you. And that's what's wonderful about God's promises. They're customized for the need of the moment. So you might need 50% of this and 18% of that and 12% of that, and God's promises come in and fill out, just meet every need, meet every, every nuance of your situation. Physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, God's promises are that way. And, you know, there's, there's no technology. There's no discovery. There's no um, advancement or diet plan or regiment that can ever do for you what faith in God's promises will do. Can't even come close. There's nothing that man offers us that can even begin to compare to the light speed of God's promises. To the absoluteness of God's promises. To the thoroughness and completeness of God's promises. So when I go directly to the maker of heaven and earth and I take him at his word, it activates a power that's beyond what man could ever even come close to. God's promises are alive. His word's alive. And it responds to the uniqueness of us. It responds to the uniqueness of our situation. And we need that. We need a custom plan. We need a personal trainer. We do. For our lives. And I, I don't mean hiring a, a, ma a man or a woman to train you. I know we need a coach for life. We do. And guess what? Jesus told his disciples who spent over three years with him, I'm going back to the Father, but don't go anywhere until the coach comes. Until your personal trainer arrives. And they waited in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. And he came. And then they were equipped to go out and fulfill their destiny. So when you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. You, the Holy Spirit is living in you. You've got your own personal trainer, your life coach, who, do, who longs to speak to you. And when God speaks to you, you're not going to hear an audible voice. That's not the, there's a better way. It's, it's by His Spirit speaking directly to your spirit, bearing witness, giving you a peace about the direction you should go. So we need that life coach. You know, you can only go where you're looking. There isn't one of us here that could stare at this screen and walk out to the parking lot and find our car. Couldn't do it. You can only go where you're looking. So if you're looking to man for answers, you can only get as far as they got. And, and God has so much more for you than what man has. 
So when you're looking to God, you're going to go where he is. You're going to go in the direction that he has for your life because you can only go where you're looking. So our relationship with God comes to life when we look to him directly for the answers that we need, directly for our needs to be met, whatever those needs might be. Let's look at some examples of this in the Word in Matthew chapter 9. We talked about this last week, and we're going to go a little deeper this week as we finish up this series. By what we believe or what we don't believe, we can limit God or allow Him to be limitless in our lives. And this absolutely blew the doors off of my religious thinking when I began to read the words of Jesus. And this is Matthew chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 28. And Jesus, the one that we worship, our Lord and our Savior, the one who, who showed his hands to Thomas, he's speaking. In verse 28, and right before that, there two blind men have been calling out to Jesus as, as Jesus is passing by saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. So Jesus, it says, when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, what are the first words out of his mouth? What's he say? Do you believe? Is that like an ethereal, un irrelevant question? Or is that the heart of the issue? I love when Jesus speaks because he goes right to the heart of the issue. He says, do you believe? In other words, have you opened your heart to the reality of who I am? Now, these men can't physically see. What does who Jesus, who Jesus is have to do with them being able to see everything? Because he came to make us well. So he says, have you opened your heart to the reality of who I am? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? I love that he didn't give them a, a, um, uh, an examination. That he didn't say, let's see, is this genetic or were you in, a, in an accident? Or, um, you know, what's your family history? Or fill out this questionnaire first and let me look at it. He doesn't need all that. See, the light speed of God's Word will supersede all that and take you right into wholeness. This is who He is. He says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what got you into this situation. Who I am will get you out. But do you believe that? And look what they say. Without hesitation. What do they say? Uh, maybe. Yes, Lord. Yes. And they say, Lord. They, they recognize, we know that they recognized who he was because they called him son of David. Have mercy on us just, just before this. So they had faith in him that he was the Messiah. And they say, right, he says, do you believe? They say, yes, Lord. I, I can't see. My eyes don't work, but I know you're the Messiah, so my eyes will work if you pray. Right? Verse 29, then touched he their eyes, saying, look at this, according to your faith, be it unto you. Wow. Let's look at the message translation. He touched their eyes and said, become what you believe. Takes all the limits off. Opens the doors wide here. 
See, what I was led to believe growing up is that God puts these boundaries around you. And boy, if you step outside of those boundaries, you're going to get it. But the real Jesus, I find, doing everything he can to exhort us to believe. And the only time, I, 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 or the time that I see where he rebukes his disciples is when they don't believe. So he's not, he's not putting, he's, he's saying, grab a hold of who I am. Open your heart to the reality of who I am. And let me be your all in all. Put your faith in me and let who I am show up in your life. Become what you believe. So this believing is a big deal with God. The world minimizes this. And now they've grabbed a hold of a little bit of it and they sing songs about believing in yourself and, and if you can do it if you just believe. And, and there's a little bit of truth in there, right? But faith in yourself can only take you so far. But faith in Him is limitless. There's nothing God won't do for you. And we're going to see that. Let's go on to Matthew chapter, um, let's go back, I'm sorry, uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 13. And Jesus is talking with a centurion. And the centurion, just to save time, this man came to Jesus and he said, my servants, uh, he's paralyzed, he's suffering. And, and, and uh, Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. He says, it's not necessary. He said, all you've got to do is speak the word. And Jesus is amazed at this man's faith. And Jesus says to him in verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way and as you have believed, so be it done for you. So we don't determine what God's will is by what we believe. But what we believe determines whether or not we experience God's will. Did you catch that? So we don't create or determine God's will by what we believe. His will has already been established. But what we believe determines whether or not we personally will experience God's will. And this is so important to understand because God has designed that we live by faith. Not by our intellect. Not by trying to figure things out and, and try and get more education and somehow find an answer. But by faith. What does that mean? Faith in what? Faith in Him. Faith in His amazing love for us. That He loves us so much that He's provided more than we could ever need for our lives in, in each and every situation that we face. It's living by faith. And this is so important to understand. In fact, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 58, when Jesus was in His own country, they began to make fun of Him. They said, who is this? This is Joseph's son, the carpenter's son. They heard about him, but when they saw him in person, they thought, they thought he, we, know, we know this guy. Right in verse 50, 58, it said, Now he, this is Jesus, did not do many mighty works there. Why? Because he forgot to take his vitamins? No, because of their unbelief. Wow. Mark chapter 6, Mark's account of the same situation in verses 5 and 6 said, Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled. Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. 
So this is a life that God's called to live, a, live by faith, this resurrection life, this overcoming life, by taking him at his word even when we see no evidence of it. We believe we have received it before we see it. And, and it shows up in our lives. It's this life by faith. And it's so important to understand that because man's religion and theology has twisted this thing. And, and I've heard it so much, and it, it's kept so many people bound that, that God is sovereign, which he is. But they translate his sovereignty to mean that he does whatever he wants whenever he wants to. And that everything that happens in our lives is God's will. But the Bible doesn't teach that. Jesus doesn't teach that. Jesus says, become what you believe according to your faith, be it done unto you. See, we don't take anything away from God by teaching this, just saying what Jesus said. When, when Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you, or when it says uh, that we say that, that uh, we can limit God or allow him to be limitless, that what we believe doesn't change who he is. He's perfect all the time. He's limitless power. He's limitless love. He's, he's the, the, the total sum of all that is good. Now, whether I believe that or not doesn't change him. So I can't take away from God's sovereignty. He's the sovereign one. But what I can do is choose to allow his sovereignty to permeate my life by believing in his word. See, So we're not coming against the sovereignty of God at all. We're not debating the sovereignness of God. We're enforcing it. That in his sovereignty, he had the wisdom to make us free will individuals. He didn't want robots that walk around, praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, yes, sir, no, sir. No, we're free. We're free. I can do whatever I want with my life. Yeah, I can go out tomorrow and, and, and bet my house on the horses. I can go out tomorrow and, and go into the grocery store and just fill two carts of, full of groceries and not pay for them. I can decide to join the circus tomorrow. Would that be God's will? No. I can't even do a somersault, right? The circus wouldn't take me. But we're free. We're free to believe whatever we want to believe. That doesn't take away from God's sovereignty. In his sovereignty, he made us that way. So it's so important to know that, that God has a plan for our lives, and what you've been through may not have been a part of his plan. There might be things in your life right now that is the thief trying to steal from you, trying to take from you. And if you think that's God's will, you're not even going to fight it. So Mark chapter 9. Two more examples we're going to look at. Love this example here. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. And here he is, Jesus. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them. That's Jesus. So he comes to his disciples, great multitude around them. And the scribes are disputing, arguing with his disciples. What a scene that must have been, huh? Immediately when they see Jesus, all the people were greatly amazed, and they run to him and they greet him. And Jesus asked the question, he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Verse 17, then one of the crowd answered and said, they're probably discussing the sovereignty of God, right? <laughs> Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. It means he couldn't speak. 
And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. He becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. I can imagine the religious debate that the scribes are doing. Well, this is God's will for the little boy to be this way. Right? This is, you can't, you can't fight God's sovereignty. And the disciples are probably, but that's not what Jesus says. That's not what our master demonstrates. But you couldn't cast it out, so it must not be as Why couldn't you cast it out? Yeah, see, it's not God's will. Back and forth, right? And Jesus clears it all up. In verse 19, Jesus answers and says, Oh, what? Faithless. One translation says, unbelieving generation. How it must grieve his heart that we're looking to man for answers. Oh, faithless, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Because I'm sure of God's love. I'm sure of the Father's promises. Right? Then they brought him to Jesus, and when he saw him, that's what the spirit in the boy saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And the father said, from childhood. And often he's thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Now listen to the father's heart. Understand, these people didn't have the New Testament. This was, Jesus was just in the flesh now. And, and no, no, no New Testament was written at this point. They didn't have any scriptures to, to go to as far as the new covenant is concerned. It wasn't ratified. But look what this man says. He says, but if you can do anything. In other words, my little boy has been suffering for years. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Look what Jesus says to him. If you can believe. Wow. In other words, it's not up to me. That's Jesus talking. Could Jesus heal him? Of course. But he needed that man to believe. See, this is real life now. We just blew by religion about 20 minutes ago, right? Passing in the in left lane. We'll see you later. This is where we live. Do you really believe? I'm, I'm, I'm the maker of heaven and earth, but I need you to open your heart to me so that I can flow in your life and show you who I am. I need you to grab a hold of me by faith. I need you to taste personally who I am. And that can only be done in your heart by believing. If you can believe all things, what? All things are possible to him who believes. Come on, Jesus. Don't you know where we're living? I mean, does that promise still apply? Even in 2014? Yes. All things are possible to him who believes. If you can believe, all things are possible. That motivates me to get a hold of God's promises and fill my heart with Him that faith would grow. See, faith doesn't come from just trying to believe. And you get frustrated just trying to believe. Because you, you, you hear a message like this, you think, well, okay, good, I want to try and believe. So you go and try and believe, and the devil will not try and knock you out. 
Because the word of God's got to be in your heart. See, so what I began to do years ago is I grabbed these promises and I would just sit there and, and eat these things. You know, all things are possible to him. I might sit there for 15 minutes and just read. All things are possible to him who believes. All things are... And then I'd think of my life and I'd think of the things that are going on in my life. All things are possible to him who believes. And I would just meditate on that thing. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes 40 minutes, sometimes 45, an hour. hour and, a half, and I would just let that thing grow inside of me. And I would keep it inside of me as I'd go through the day. And as the days went on, this word, this seed of God's word began to grow in me. And you'll get to the point where you're not trying to have faith. Where you see the reality of who he is and what he wants to do in your life. And you begin to speak to the situation rather than asking God to do something. So faith will grow. Don't try and have faith. Just grab a hold of his promises and let his promises produce that faith in you. They'll produce that faith in you. Mark chapter 6, last example, verses 25 through 34. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. It's a long time. How many days is that? Do the math. Long time. And had suffered many things from many physicians. Can anyone relate to this? Man, I saw a lot of physicians in my life before I knew about the healing power of God. She had spent all the, nothing against physicians, right? We just realized that they're limited in what they can do. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but grew worse, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, what did she hear about Jesus? That he's sovereign and whatever happens in your life is his will? No. She heard that people were being healed through faith in him. It records in the Gospels that the maimed came to him and were made whole. Those that were missing limbs grew limbs. The blind, the deaf, the lame. All things are possible to him who believes. See, we want the real Jesus, right? So she heard about this Jesus. So imagine her situation, 12 years of suffering, spent everything she had, and it grew worse. And then she hears someone talking. You know, maybe, maybe it was through her window. She heard so-and-so talking. Yeah, my, my, I had this issue in my life for six years, and I went to Jesus, and I, I believed in him, and my body changed. It was transformed, and I'm healed. And she, what? You know? And then she hears about Jesus, and he's coming to our town. And look what she does. She comes behind him in the crowd, and she touches his garment. And in 28, uh, this is in Mark, in Matthew, it says, for she said within herself. That's what the Greek is mean. In other words, she was talking. She was speaking with her mouth and believing with her heart. That's the simple two-step recipe for salvation that we speak with our mouth and we believe in our she said within herself if i only if i only may touch his clothes i shall be made well immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction and jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him he didn't know who touched him he just knew power went out of him Turning around in the crowd, he said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude, duh, right? You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? Come on, Jesus. 
But, but, so the people were touching him, lots of people. But only one touched him in a way that caused the life in him to flow into them. And it was this woman. See? And he looked around to see her. Why? Was he mad at her? Was he going to scold her? You took power out of me. No. He wanted to see this woman and encourage her. But the woman, not knowing how good he was, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, in verse 33, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She's kind of thinking like she's going to get a whooping here, right? Punishment. And Jesus says to her, daughter. Isn't that good? It's a term of endearment. You're in my family. Your faith has made you well. Your faith King James says, made you whole. It's the word uh, sozo in the Greek. Soteria, sozo, which is saying, as some translations says, has saved you. See, we talk about salvation. It, it, man, man talks about salvation as if that means going to heaven. Of course you go to heaven if you're saved, but salvation is being made whole according to Jesus. It's a wholeness that God's provided spirit, soul, and body. It's the same Greek word here. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Verse 34 in the Amplified. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith, your trust and confidence in me, springing from faith in God, has restored you to health. Go into peace and be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease. Enter into this life where faith in me makes you well and keeps you well. Enter into this life where faith in me makes you well and keeps you well. Uh, at age 17, it was discovered that I had an abnormal disc in my spine, and it cracked, which is not a good thing. Quite painful, actually. And it made it hard for me to walk, very painful, so I come from a medical family. My dad knew uh, one of the physicians that worked for the, uh, was on the Pittsburgh Steelers staff. I lived in that area. So I got to go see one of the Pittsburgh Steelers physicians. I thought that was really cool. Um, and this guy was an ace in his field, you know, and he, he did all, ran all the tests and looked at it, and he said, yeah, you have an abnormal disc in your spine, and it's cracked. And he said, there's two things we can do, nothing <laughs> or give you an artificial one. And they didn't want to do that because of my age. Um, so there was really nothing they could do, basically. I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know the scriptures we shared with you this morning. But uh, a couple years later, I began to read the Bible. And I began to meditate on these promises. And, and I began to study the scriptures all for a number of years, uh, probably five, six years. Let's see, 99, 99 yeah, five or six years. And I still wasn't really sure that it was God's will for me to be well. But as I began to look at Jesus and see, he cleared, he cleared that up for me, that, it, that he is the will of God revealed. And I began to speak to my body. And it was about eight years ago, 
I had an issue where I, I jumped off a porch, was playing with the kids, and I twisted funny, and I, my back really started to bother me. And, and you know, of course, thoughts come in, and the enemy comes in, off, oh, see? That's that abnormal disc in your spine. You're, you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to walk. You're not going to do this. So I took a couple days off of work, and I laid in my bed, and I just opened my Bible to Acts chapter 2 or 3 there. And I just began to, to look at some of the scriptures I shared with you, and then I, I began to look at one of my favorites um, in Acts chapter 2, where uh, Peter and John are about to go into the temple, and there's a, a, a man who's, who's lame, begging at the temple, and they, they say to him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, and in Acts 3, 7, it says that they grabbed him by the hand, and it says immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and leaping up, he stood and walked and entered in, into the temple with them, praising God. So I would, I would just lay there in bed, and I would imagine my, my disc just being perfectly formed based on God's promises. And I would begin to speak that to my disc. Disc, you're, you're perfectly formed. You're perfectly whole, shaped perfectly, flexible. Uh, vertebrae, you're aligned perfectly. Every joint is aligned. Nerves, you're, you're perfect and whole and healthy. For it is written, with the stripes that wounded Jesus, we have been healed. And I just spent... Now, keep in mind, I had been studying healing prior to that. But this issue came up, and I needed to address it. And it was probably uh, the, a good, good day. And then the ne by the next day, I was, up, I was up walking around, sitting around. And about two days later, I was back into work as if nothing had ever happened. And never had an issue since. But that's the, the life and power in the promises of God. And you simply apply it like you're applying an ointment to a wound. So as I'm laying in bed there, my, the pain in my back, I'm applying the Word of God to it. Just rubbing it in. Now, if you have a cut, I got a cut yesterday. If I, if I put ointment on that cut, you're not going to see it disappear. That ointment's going to get inside of it, right, and, and, and affect the cells. God's Word will get inside of you and transform you. Last scripture, we're going to close. Psalm 138, verses 1 and 2. It says, I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. Why? For you have magnified your word above all your name. And verse 8 says, The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Thy loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. You see, we experience the resurrection life of Christ when we realize that God loves us so much that if something concerns us, it concerns Him. Thy loving kindness is everlasting. You will accomplish what concerns me. What a peace that is. It could be a teeny tiny little thing. You know, it could be a leak in your roof or whatever. If it concerns you, it concerns him, and he wants to accomplish it. So our relationship with God comes to life when he becomes our plan A, and there is no plan B. When we begin to look to him and realize that he loves us so much to that he has provided for every issue and need that we face in our lives, and we begin to grab a hold of that, the goodness of Good Friday... And the greatness of Easter Sunday becomes a reality in our daily lives when we look to Him to meet our needs. So I want to exhort you, whatever need you have, we all have different ones, to go ahead and grab a hold of the resurrected Christ right now. He's not afraid of power going out of Him into you. 
That's what he came for, that you would experience his life and power. Father, I thank you for this time we've had in your word, and I thank you for your amazing love for us. And Lord, I pray for everyone here and anyone that would hear this podcast, Lord, that they would put their trust in you and receive from you whatever it is they need in their lives, that they would be transformed by the resurrection life of your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for every need being met spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, materially, financially, socially, in every way. By your Spirit now, in Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we encourage you to look to God, put your faith in His Word, and let Him be limitless in you. Make God your plan A. Lean on Him, trust in Him, hope confidently in Him, and let Him accomplish the things that concern you. In Jesus' name, amen.